Hey everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. A Wizard of Earthsea, from the book by Ursula Le Guin, dramatized for radio by Bert Cools, with Michael Maloney as Ged and Judy Dench as the narrator. Only in silence, the word. Only in dark, the light. Only in dying, life. Bright the hawk's flight on the empty sky. The world of Earthsea is a world of water. One vast ocean, dotted with islands big and small, populous and barren, welcoming and warlike. Some isles are renowned for their fishermen, some for their harpers, some for their weavers. The island of Gaunt is a land famous for wizards. One Gauntish man became, in his day, both Dragon Lord and Archmage. His life is told in many stories and many songs, but this is a tale of the time before his fame, before the songs were made. Some say he was the greatest wizard of them all. He was the man called Sparrow. Keep that bellows working. What's the matter with your boy? Good, sir. Oh. Do as I say. Oh, father. Well, or are you too feeble? Weakling? I'm no weakling. <sighs> That's more like it. As a child, Sparrowhawk bore the name Dooney. It was given to him by his mother. That and his life were all that she could give him she died before he was a year old. Keep that rhythm steady. Do you want to feel the back of my hand again? <laughs> what? Damn that boy! Come back here! There was not much work to be got out of young Dooney. He was always off and away, roaming deep in the forest, swimming in the pools, or climbing by cliff and scarp to the heights above the village. See. That island is Spevy, and beyond Spevy are the Cargat Islands, where the only thing men love is war and conquest. And then there's Perigal, and after Perigal, there's nothing, only the sea, so they say. Dooney grew wild, a thriving weed, a tall, quick boy, loud and proud and full of temper. With a few other children, he herded goats on the steep meadows above the river springs. One day, a goat wandered down into the village. 
Hey! Hey! Come down off my roof, you stupid animal! Hey, boys! Come here! Well, what's the fuss? What? Are you blind? You're a goat herd, aren't you? Get that animal off my roof while I've still got some roof left! And how am I supposed to do that? What's the trouble here? All this noise! Oh, they want me to bring down the goat. Yeah. They can't do it themselves, so they ask a boy. Stand aside. Are you going to climb up? Quiet! Non hier smelt man. Heel kan melt. Look out! How did you do that? Never you mind, boy. Dooney was untaught and knew nothing of the arts and powers that are in the world. But he had a keen ear and a quick mind. The next day, he was watching the long-haired goats on the meadows of High Fall. Non hiert, Malkman. Yolk, hand, yet hand. Oh, that's right. Come here, goats, come to me. Non yet, Malkman. Yolk, hand, yet hand. Hey, hey, keep back. Ow, stop it. Stop staring at me like that. He ran from their strange, slitted yellow eyes and their thick, ridged horns. The goats ran with him, huddled together around him, as if a rope was pulled tight about them. He tried to get free of them, but he could not. Help! Help me! Grim! Oh, aunt! Come with me. Sit down there, boy. Now, what did you say to the goats? The same words you used yesterday. The rhyme. So you know what those words are? No. But you know their meaning? No, I just said them. And yet you spellbound the goats. You have the makings of the power. The power? Magic? If you were to come and live here with me, I might teach you rhymes you would like better. The words that make a snail look out of its shell or call a falcon down from the sky. Aye, teach me those words. You will never tell those words to the other children. Promise me. And have them know what I know. I promise. Well and good. But I will bind your promise. Your tongue will be still till I choose to unbind it. We must keep the secrets of our craft. Good. He sat still while his aunt bound back her uncombed hair and knotted the belt of her dress. Then she threw a handful of leaves into the fire pit. A smoke spread and filled the darkness of the hut. Ah, it's done. I've bound you in obedience to me, and I've ensured your silence. You cannot utter any sound unless I will it. Try it. Feel the power of my magic. Then his aunt was afraid of his strength. This was Dooney's first step on the way he was to follow all his life. The way of wizardry. The way that led him at last to hunt a shadow over land and sea to the lightless coasts of Death's kingdom. But in those first steps along the way, it seemed a broad, bright road.
Teach me something wonderful. Come here, boy. Tell me your name. Dooney. That's just your used name. Everyone and everything has a true name. A real name. Can you see that falcon? The falcon's true name is Azyeda. Azyeda? Azyeda? Yes. Say, Adahan Azyeda. What does that mean? Say it! Adahan Azyeda. Don't be afraid. It won't hurt you. Why won't it? Because you know its name. To know a thing's true name is to have power over it. And to know a man's true name? Is the greatest power of all. Know a man's true name and you hold his life in your hand. Calais, Azieta! Aunt, do you know my true name? Not yet, but someday you will. When you do, God, it's safer than your soul. From that day, the children of the village began to fear Dooney. And seeing him often in the high pastures with a bird of prey about him, they called him Sparrowhawk. Teach me more. More? Teach me more of the true speech. The words of power. But all the words of power she knew, the witch had long since taught to Dooney. Dooney was just a few years older when the Kargad Empire set sail in lust of conquest. In 30 great longships they sailed to the Isle of Gaunt, fighting and burning their slow way inland. The people of Dooney's village woke one morning to see smoke darkening the eastern sky. So, boy, you come back to your father. Have you decided to learn an honest craft? Stand away. Well? I come because my aunt has gone. So, the witch is gone, has she? Run away into the hills like most of the others. She's afraid of the cards. She's right to be afraid. They're fierce fighters and they like the sight of blood and the smell of burning towns. Will they kill us? If they do, it won't be without a fight. Look at this. I've been forging spear points. Here. This one's for you. For me? Don't stand there gawping like an idiot. It's no use as it is. Lash it to that rake handle. Well, get to work. All that night, the smith and his son laboured. And at the next sunrise, those villagers who had not fled stood waiting with their new forged spears, their hunting bows and their knives. They did not know whether the cards were far off or very near. Damn this waiting. I wish something would happen. I wish... Yes, lad. I wish I knew more. Dooney looked down at his thin arms, wet with cold fog dew, and raged at his weakness. There was power in him, if he knew how to use it, and he sought among all the spells he had learned for some device that might give him and his companions an advantage, or at least a chance. 
But need alone is not enough to set power free. There must be knowledge. There they are, coming up the mountain. Oh, there must be over a hundred of them. Look at their armor, their weapons. You know what use are these toys? Stand fast. A hundred of them and eighteen of us. It'll be a slaughter. Stand fast, I say. We may be able to take them by surprise. Then, at last, Need called Nollie out, and Dooney knew what he must do. Ilothka, be quiet, fool. Zuriai, Vota. I said, be quiet. Keep your bloody mouth shut. Go and hide if you can't fight like a man. What's happening? It's a fire. It's a fire. That's not. That's not smoke. It's fog. I can't see any of you. Neither can the cogs. But when they get here, we'll be able to see them. What did you say? This isn't fog. I've headed us. I can see shapes in the mist. Fog wraiths. They won't hurt us. Have such power. If this is true, boy, it's true. Then you've given us a chance. We can fight them. Yeah, we yes. can. I'll keep up the spell for as long as I can. But you must be quick. Be quick. Come on. It was as the boy had said. And invisible and safe in the fog, the villagers sent a volley of arrows and spears at the invaders as they stood confused by the magical mist. The warriors charged forward to hew down their puny attackers, but they found only the fog about them, full of the wraiths. In their blindness, one group of the cogs chased the dim, flickering figures straight to the high fall, the cliff's edge, and then over it, out onto the air. Look at them stumbling. They're blind. <laughs> Until they come back, they won't be coming back. <laughs> the surviving cogs ran, stumbling and silent, until they were beyond the blinding mist. Then they stopped, gathered together, and looked back. A wall of wavering, writhing grey lay blank across the path, hiding all that lay behind it. Not one cog looked back. More than that once. They've gone. <laughs> Thanks to your son, Smith. Uh, Smith, uh, what's wrong, man? What's the matter with the boy? Dooney? Son? He's injured. No, there's no blood. But look at his eyes. Dooney? Dooney, can you hear me? Speak. He's dead. On his feet and breathing, fool. Well then. He's enchanted. That's the truth of it. Poor enchantment. You, go up into the mountains. Bring back the witch. She's the only one who can help him now. He's beyond my aid. What? He's overspent his power. I can do nothing. Who comes here to trouble us? May I see the boy? Who are you? Quiet, brother. May I see him? Yes. Yes, of course. The stranger, a man neither old nor young, cloaked and bareheaded, and lightly carrying a great staff of oak, 
stooped above the cot where Dooney lay staring into the darkness. He did no more than lay his hand upon the boy's forehead and touch his lips once. Dooney? Uh, have they gone? The Kirks? They have. The village? He's safe. Can I have something to eat? Ha! Stranger. Sir, we thank you. Oh. Who are you, sir? You're no common man. Nor will this boy be a common man. The tale of his deed has come to the village of Ray Alby, which is my home. Brother, this must be the mage of Ray Alby, Ogion the Silent, the one that tamed the earthquake. I have come here to give the boy his true name, and, if you see fit, to take him with me. Do you agree to this? Do you agree? Yes, I agree. I take from you this garment, the clothing of a boy. You are a boy no longer. I take from you your name, given to you as a baby by your mother. You are Dooney no longer. Enter, Enter the, the water, water of, of the river Arm. Nameless and naked, he walked into the cold spring in the ancient ceremony of the passage into manhood. And as he entered the water, Clouds crossed the sun's face, and great shadows slid and mingled over the water of the pool about him. He crossed the far bank, shivering with cold, but walking slow and proud as he should through that icy living water. As he came to the far bank, Ogion, waiting, reached out his hand and clasped the boy's arm. Now you are a man, dead. Thank you, Master. Thus was he given his true name, his secret name, by one very wise in the uses of power. And no one knew his name but Ged and his namer. On the Isle of Gaunt, as in all Earthsea, a naming day was a time for feasting and for merriment. Come, lad, bid your people farewell. So soon. Come. Ged fetched what little he had to carry. He said farewell to all the people he knew in the world and looked about at the village that straggled huddled there under the cliffs and over the river springs. Then he set off with his new master. Sir? Sir, you've been my master for four days. When will my apprenticeship begin? It has begun. Huh? But I haven't learned anything yet. Because you haven't found out what I am teaching. Uh, but... Uh... Wait. You want to work spells? Yes. You've drawn too much water from that well. Wait. Manhood is patience. Mastery is nine times patience. What is that herb by the path? Uh, straw flower. And that? I, I don't know. Fourfoil, they call it. What is its use, Master? None I know of. Oh. When you know the fourfoil in all its seasons, root and leaf and flower, by sight and scent and seed, then you may learn its true name and know its being, which is more than its use. 
What, after all, is the use of you? Or of myself? Is Gaunt Mountain useful? Or the open sea? To hear, one must be silent. Come. It's going to rain. Will you send the storm aside? Will you speak the spell? You see that thick fir tree ahead? Yes, Master. It'll keep the rain off quite well. Ged crouched among the dripping branches, wet and sullen, and wondered what was the good of having power if you were too wise to use it. This is my house, and yours too now. But it's just like the huts in my village. I thought the wizards lived in great palaces. You shall sleep in that alcove. The window overlooks the sea. Oh, the sea! You must keep it closed against the wind. Look at this book. What is it? Is it a book of spells? It contains the 600 runes of Hardik. You have to learn them. All of them. In the dark warmth of that house, Ged spent the winter learning the runes that were written when the islands of Earthsea were first raised up from the waters. And very glad he was to learn this law, for without it, no man has true mastery. But still no marvels and enchantments occurred. The mage's long, listening silence would fill the room and fill Ged's mind until sometimes it seemed that he had forgotten what words sounded like. And when Ogion spoke at last, it was as if he had just then, for the first time, invented speech. Yet the words he spoke were no great matters, but had only to do with simple things, bread and water and weather and sleep. As spring came on, quick and bright, Ogion often sent Ged to gather herbs in the meadows above Realbi, and Ged went with delight. I know you. Yes, I know you. You're the Sparrowhawk, a wizard's apprentice. Tell me about sorcery. I, I can't. Are you shy? Do you know me? Yes. Who am I then? You're the daughter of the Lord of Realbi. Are you afraid of me? No. Perhaps you should be. Ged looked at her, and he thought her white skin very ugly, but he had a desire to please her, to win her admiration that grew on him as they talked. She made him tell the story of his tricks with the mist that had defeated the Kargish warriors, and she listened as if she wondered and admired. But she spoke no praise. My village lost only four men and one hot burned, but the Kargs lost near a hundred of their greatest warriors. Can you call the birds and beasts to you? I can. Did you see that falcon? Where? Oh, yes. Adahan! Ajila! Why did it land over there? Won't it come to your arm? Not while you're here. Ajila! Gala! Can you make a love charm? That's no mastery. True, any village witch can do it. Can you do changing spells? Can you change your own shape? I might. 
if I chose? Do it. Change yourself into a hawk, a tree, a bull, into anything you like. Do it. Go on. Please. My master's expecting me. We must get back. You're afraid to do it. I'm not afraid. Maybe you're too young. Come here again tomorrow. And? And you'll see if I'm too young. When Gerd got back to the house, his master was out. He went straight to the shelf and took down the two great books of law, which Ogian had never yet opened in his presence. There must be a changing spell here somewhere. Oh, why can't I understand this writing? To summon up the... the spirits of the dead. To summon up the spirits of the dead. Ash. Marka Tino Tref Marka Hulfar Tino Sintan Marka Hulfrai Tino As he read, a horror came over him. His eyes were fixed, and he could not lift them until he had finished the spell. Shemdok Sernyen Sorenyon he raised his head and saw that it was dark in the house. He had been reading without any light in the pitch darkness. Who's there? I know you're there. Who are you? What are you? Something was crouching beside the closed door. A shapeless clot of shadow, darker than the darkness. It reached out towards him. <gasps> you keep back! Keep away from me! spell but in peril of your power and your life. Was it for that spell that you opened the book? No, no, Master. Well then, speak. I, I was looking for a shape-changing spell to show the Lord's daughter. She, she said I couldn't work such a spell. She said I was too young. Did you not remember what I told you? The girl's mother is an enchantress. <laughs> I forgot. I say nothing to you without good reason. The girl is more than half a witch already. The powers she serves are not the powers I serve. And her mother does not will me well. Yet, listen to me now. This sorcery is not a game we play for pleasure or for praise. Every word, every act of our art is said and done either for good or for evil. Before you speak or do... You must know the price that is to be paid. Oh, how am I to know these things when you teach me nothing? Since I've lived with you, I've done nothing. I've seen nothing. Now you have seen something. By the door in the darkness, you have seen something. Gerd, <laughs> my young falcon, you are not bound to me or to my service. 
But I, I thought... You did not come to me, but I to you. You are very young to make this choice, but I cannot make it for you. What choice, Master? If you wish, I will send you to Roke Island. Oh, the Isle of the Wise? To the School of Wizardry. Where the air is bright with enchantments, and the Archmage of all Earthsea walks amidst wonders. I would keep you here with me, for what I have is what you lack. But I will not keep you against your will. Now, choose between this place and Roke. Ged stood dumb, his heart bewildered. He had come to love this man, who had cured him at a touch. He loved him, and he did not know it until now. He yearned to stay with Ogion. Yet other cravings were in him that would not be stilled. Master, I will go to Roke. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.